Welcome to the situation room. Welcome to the situation room. Welcome to the situation room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of the situation room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can find us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. And um, Gabe, I'm going to start this podcast like I've started the last six podcasts, it feels like, which is that the Ravens continue to be inconsistent, seemingly unprepared, and unable to, in the moments that they need to, make adjustments or do the things that they have to do to be successful in kind of a elongated period of a game. We saw a tremendous third quarter from the Ravens minus one drive on both sides of the ball, really. And they, they cleaned up the defense a little bit in the fourth quarter. But when it all comes down to it, you've got a team that cannot play four quarters of good football on either side of the ball at any given moment. And here we are in week nine or after nine weeks of play seeing the exact same thing. So, you know, big picture, where are we? What kind of expectations should we have? What are we looking at for this team? Yeah, it's, it is it is a lot of the same. And I think what we're seeing is against some teams you can get away with it and against other teams you can't. And sometimes there's also conditions that are going to affect the play. Like we saw this this week with all the rain that, that definitely the Patriots were better prepared to play in those conditions than, than the Ravens were. That was pretty apparent. Um, what it means for the team, I mean, they're still in a pretty good position um, in the AFC, although they're kind of in a log jam now and Basically, like the, the number one wild card seed, other teams are at the six and three record. Um, I, I think the Ravens are probably going to pull ahead and take that number one wild card seed. But talks of you know winning the division are pretty much out the window at this point. You you would have to have a pretty epic collapse by the Steelers. Um, obviously, the Ravens would have to beat them in Pittsburgh and probably run the table um, in order to win the division, and that, that still seems unlikely. Um, so yeah, it's going to be most likely a wild card. Um, I think you have to really look at the big picture in terms of the injuries the Ravens have sustained as well. And I think, um, this past week we saw one of the Ravens key cogs in offense and Nick Boyle, uh, down for the season. And that, and that's something that's really going to hurt the team. Um, he was, you know, instrumental to their run game. Um, he's one of the better, um, perimeter blockers, I think in the NFL, you know, his ability to get out in, in space and sometimes block one, two, two players on the same play. Um, it just opens up so much for the Ravens run game. And without him, it's, it's really going to be a challenge um, to kind of have the same offensive, you know, game plan that they've had for the past year and a half. So what it well, means is, well, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, we've got to go back a step to the record here. And you're absolutely right talking about the logjam that we've got in terms of where the divisions and kind of how everything stacks up. But, um, you know, just just if the playoffs were to start today, I think the Ravens would be in by virtue of some random tiebreakers um, just because of kind of how the season has gone so far. But there are five teams that are six and three right now vying for three wildcard spots. Um, and the Colts and the Titans are both six and three. So it's really, it's really almost like it's six teams, you know, because one of those teams from that division is probably going to likely end up with a similar record or in that same territory. The Browns are lurking and the Dolphins are lurking. I, I mean, the Dolphins are in a miserable division. That's not very good. I think that their record, you know, they were my pick actually to be the sleeper winner of the AFC East. And they're only a half a game back of Buffalo right now. Um, if you look at that and they're riding a five game winning streak after starting one and three, um, should we be worried about the Ravens not making the playoffs? I don't think so. And that's largely just because they have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. Um, I think it's probably a little easier than most of the teams. And I think it would be hard to see the Ravens not win 11 games. Um, and I think it's still possible that they you know, could win 12 maybe even 13. Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility. If they, if they can get by uh, t Tennessee and, and Pittsburgh um, with wins, um, there's a chance that they, you know, they went out. I don't, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. We saw them play a close game against Pittsburgh just, you know, what, two weeks ago. And I don't think Pittsburgh has massively improved since then. Um, you know, like I mentioned, the injuries are, are what's going to kind of hinder the upside of this Ravens team now. Um, and they're going to have to really, 
find a new identity on offense, I think. And if they can do that, if they can kind of unplug Lamar Jackson a little bit, um, I think they could potentially become a different looking offense. And if they get some guys healthy on defense, they can still be a very good team. I didn't yeah, want so to talk about the one of those guys on offense though, because I think Hollywood Brown has been someone that we expected to have kind of a breakout season this year. Um, you know, he showed flashes of really large upside last year as a rookie. He obviously wasn't healthy. Had all this offseason talk about how he was, you know, putting on weight and, and getting stronger and faster. And he was going to be this like true number one wide receiver. And he's been a pretty big disappointment all season long. He's had a couple of games where he's had, you know, decent showings, but Honestly, for the most part, I think Louis Snead has outplayed him in the wide receiver position. Yeah, you know, some of that is situationally the opportunities that Willie Snead gets versus the ones that Hollywood Brown gets. I think some of it is usage, and I think some of it is he isn't as good as they thought he was going to be this year. Um, but got, teams are playing off coverage against him, and they're giving him a cushion, and the Ravens aren't taking advantage of it. Like stop routes underneath stuff, like like throw like using him as a deep guy to throw behind, um, to get a cushion for an easy throw in front of like in front of him um, for Lamar. All those things aren't happening in this offense, and so defenses are paying a lot of attention to Brown. That's what I'm seeing on film. Um, and you know, you, you saw Justin or JC Jackson on him, you know, the, one of the better corners in the league, um, or who is having a very good year um, in the rain. Yeah, you're not going to get open on nine routes. <laughs> like, like that, like you know, if, if we're looking just at this one game performance, I don't think it's been there. If we're looking at a larger set of performances, I think Hollywood has been open um, for the most part. But that's not what the Ravens have been trying to do, and the way they built this passing game. And this is probably the thing. And I'm way off topic from where you wanted to start, which was Hollywood not playing as well as we thought. But the thing that drives me absolutely out the roof on this Ravens offense is that you've got these quick, speedy underneath guys that have solid hands um, that you refuse to make the first reads for easy throws from Lamar when they play off coverage or they do these kind of things. Um, and there you, you can set in some cases, obviously really good receivers like the Julio Joneses of the world don't need to be set up for their deep throws. Right. But if you look at what the Steelers do, like the Steelers set up their guys for those deep throws, they did it for Antonio Brown when he was around as well. They throw quick hits outs like underneath stuff, like, and they hammer it and they throw back shoulders and they, they, they make you pay um, for playing the deep coverage consistently. And then the second you don't, they throw it over the top. The Ravens don't do that. The Ravens situationally run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then finally decide to try and throw a deep shot to Hollywood over the top when he's still drawing double coverage because they're bringing the other safety into the box and there's not an opportunity there. So, I mean, yeah, Hollywood Hollywood has certainly not been as good as what I thought we were going to see from him, but it, I also think the Ravens just have to take him off the leash so to speak and throw to him underneath throw slants throw over the middle like feed him the ball and make teams fundamentally change how they're playing defense against him um and until you do that he's gonna look covered all the time yeah i think the issue is he's not a number one wide receiver and i don't think like you said like he has gotten a lot of attention from opposing defenses um because he is you know someone who can can beat you deep and make you pay if you're not giving him um, you know, the proper attention and coverage. But at the same time, you need also need receivers who can win in certain situations. And he doesn't have great size. Um, he does have speed. Um, and, he, you know, he has some ability to kind of make um, a contested catch. We've seen that um, not consistently, but we've seen it at times. I think the biggest issue, like you mentioned, is kind of how he's used. Um, and I don't know if that, this is more about Brown in particular, or if it says more about what the Ravens have at receiver in the offense, because they real really don't have anyone you can kind of go to in in that situation where you where you have a third and ten and you can you know count on somebody to to win in against man coverage downfield. They don't they just don't have that receiver. They need to scheme guys open, um, and I think that's kind of a problem because while they have some players who have you know talent. Um, and 
you know, you can definitely make some plays after the catch, like we've seen with DuVernay. I think you need to get him more involved. Um, and I think, you know, Snead, he's been reliable as a guy over the middle. I think the Ravens really have three guys who are best suited running out of the slot. And, and that's probably their biggest issue right now. They don't have players who can win on the outside. And when you have that kind of deficiency in your skill, offensive skill set and your skill players, it really limits the kind of, of things you can do. And I've seen Hollywood get open. He's good against zone coverage. I think he's really good at, I guess, at knowing like where those creases are against in the zone um, and making himself available to the quarterback. But I just don't see him consistently winning against man. And maybe he has that short pass that you're talking about where he could be, you know, used to pick up five, six, seven yards and then do a double move and get over the defense. Um, but I just, I just don't see him winning in a man coverage enough for me to justify, you know, having him as, as the number one wide receiver on the team. And, and I don't know who else you can go to, but I was expecting more out of him and, and it's been a disappointment. Yeah. But, and this is my whole thing, right? If he's really good against zone, you've got that gives you two really good receivers against zone who is, which is Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, right? And teams are playing, or I would assume teams are playing, and I haven't looked at the total number of stats, more zonings against a guy like Lamar because he can run the ball, right? So something there doesn't add up, right? You've got two really good zone receivers. Then when they're in zone, make sure that you're throwing the ball to those guys. When you're not, don't be throwing the ball to those guys and have other sets of combinations that are going to open up guys in man and make Lamar read the defense and make it an easy throw pick. And I I've been saying this all season, pick the spots where you have three defenders against two receivers and go to the other direction and the other way. I, I mean, it, it's, it's not that easy because it is the NFL and NFL teams are doing more complicated things than that. But at the same time, we've seen teams week in and week out isolate Patrick queen attack him and beat him. So it is, it is either so complex that Wink Martindale can't figure out how to hide Patrick Queen in pass defense, or the Ravens alternately cannot find ways to isolate and attack the worst receivers on other teams. When you've got, in my opinion, two very good receivers between Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. I, I do think that there's some issues with, with the scheme. Um, but I think part of the issue is also that they're in a lot of third and longs. Um, and when you're in those situations, it you know Lamar's going to be under pressure pretty quick because teams are blitzing him a lot more than they did last year and blitzing him a lot more effectively. Part of that is you know the offensive line. So it's really you can't really just blame Marquise Marquise Brown. And I don't mean to just say, say it's it's all on him, but I, I was hoping for you know something more out of him this year for him to take another step. And I just don't see that kind of development happening. Um, I do think that he's someone who you can use, but they just aren't using him well. And he's probably being asked to do too much. And in a sense, some senses, that's not his fault at all. It's just the fact that he is the Ravens of active number one wide receiver, and he isn't really succeeding in that role. So that that's more of a, I think, an issue with the with, with Ravens receiving core as a whole, instead of just an issue with, with Marquise Brown. Um, I think you'd like to see, you know, your first round wide receiver have some development, um, but I'm, I'm not like giving up hope on him yet. I just think he needs to be used better, um, but I'm not sure how the Ravens can kind of fix their situation they have at the wide receivers, unless they kind of just, I don't I don't even know. I think they, they have to kind of completely reimagine their offense. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying with, with Nick Boyle going out, because you don't have the same run attack you had before. You have to really kind of configure your offense differently you don't have Ronnie Stanley, so you don't have your best pass protector either. It's just going to be something that they're going to have to figure out. And, and this also gets back to what we're talking about with what's the Ravens' outlook. Because if they don't figure that out fundamentally, they're a really good defense and an offense that can kind of get hot at times, but is often stagnant. And is that going to really get you very far in the season or in the playoffs? I don't think so, unless they can kind of all put it together at the right time. Yeah, the injury issues are definitely looming. I mean, if, if we're looking at the offensive line, I mean – I don't know that it's that big of a loss that Tyree Phillips is down, but you've got Boyle, Phillips, and Stanley. So you're three, like, you know, borderline starting capable type players off the table. 
um, that's definitely been some kind of an issue. But beyond that, you know, on the Ravens offense, it, it hasn't necessarily been injuries. And then on defense, I think a lot of these guys should be back, right? Like obviously Tavon Young down for the year. We're not going to see him back, but Averitt should be back soon. Um, it doesn't sound like Campbell's going to be out for a significant period of time. Hopefully Brandon Williams isn't out for a significant period of time. So some of that was a culmination of, of the bad parts of those. And I think some of this, this recent game was the weather. Um, I think that bad offensive line play or bad line play is, is exacerbated a little bit in, in the weather. Um, and the Ravens were not better in like on the line on either side of the ball. And it showed a little bit more, I think because of the rain. Um, so, so hopefully some of those things fix themselves. Um, but you know, Matt Skura, you know, speaking of somebody that might need to be replaced, he's a guy that, you know, and look, let's start with the fact that people need to lay off his family and his wife and tweeting at her during the game, inappropriate things, that kind of stuff is way out of line, but and I'm the I am literally Matt Skura's biggest fan. Um, but does he need to go to the bench? That's that's a tough question because it's really hard to 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 bench someone who you've committed to over over the long term and and who's shown so much you know effort and so much heart and so much resolve to get back on the field and be a contributor to the offense. But the reality is he just hasn't been the same player. I started with, you know, the off-season um, surgery or recovery from the, the surgeries. Um, and then, obviously, you know, he's had an issue with his hand. You know, he had a cut or something along those lines. But the snapping in the past two weeks has been incredibly problematic. Like, that is not something that you can do and still win football games on a consistent basis. I mean, they were able to win last week. But this week, in the weather, it was just – you couldn't recover from those mistakes and, th- and those are critical mistakes and big plays. Um, and he, he hasn't actually, actually been doing a really good job in like the run game either. He, he's decent in pass protection, but you know, it's just, I'm not sure if you can go to Makari at center, do you really improve the line a lot more? Because then you probably have to play Fluker back at right tackle and he's struggling at right tackle. I actually thought Makari played pretty well at right tackle after he got moved there. Um, so I'm not sure if that's the way you want to go. I, I mean, maybe you can look at Ben Breedson and put him at center. It's it's kind of a mess. And this is what happens when you have injuries. You know, you're, you're looking at all these different combinations. And I think the offensive line has been okay, even with guys going down and some guys, you know, playing at a pretty low level. I don't think it's what's the major issue with the team right now, but some of the, the, the snaps with, with Skura have been a major issue. And if he can't consistently snap the ball, I think he has to sit out for a while until he can. I think that's something that I would say for sure is a change that has to happen. Yeah. You know, the snaps have been the point of focus for the moment, but like, if you go back to the Colts game in the Gus Edwards strip um, where he fumbled the ball, that was Matt Skura completely whiffing on his guy and his guy getting into the backfield and stripping, stripping Edwards, if I recall. And, and Edwards was not ready to be hit at that point because just given kind of the way those plays go, that's not usually where you get hit on plays like that. Um, that's not an excuse for Edwards. But Skura has been bad on a lot of different levels, and he's been the victim of that guy that we talk about that, that when plays go wrong and there are these significant negative plays, that's part of the problem. And so snapping is part of that. And I don't think the snapping has just been a problem the past two weeks. Like, I'd have you'd you'd really have to go back and look through the film to find how many bad snaps there have been. But my sense of it is that there have been bad snaps all year long. Like like it became a thing because he cut his hand in the Colts game. But you know whatever whatever that was, you know that needs to be resolved. Also, you've got Ben Powers and you've got Castile Cologne. Like there are other guys that we can give a like like if if you can't give if you if you can't if you want to keep Makari at right tackle um, and you don't want to move him back in to center, then, you know, maybe there's a question of whether or not like powers or anybody else can actually take those snaps at center. But to me, I move Makari back in to center, move somebody else different to guard 
and and swing somebody else out to right tackle. I, I I don't know what the solution is here, but um, there are too many. You know, you talked about third and longs, and the Ravens have really struggled in third and long this year. Any team's going to struggle consistently in third and long. Um, even even the Chiefs. It doesn't matter what your offense looks like. Um, and the Ravens have to be care more, in my opinion about fixing the issue of getting into third and longs more than they need to be worried about their performance on third and longs. Now, if you look at what we've seen up to this point in the year, the issue is that they've sucked on third and long, but if we think that they're going to be terrible there all the time, no matter what, can you fix something enough on first and second down? So you are in third and two, third and three, even third and five is good enough for Lamar. Yeah, I I agree. It's so so it goes back to what we talked about last week, where we're mentioning how the Ravens have become predictable. They've, they've been predictable on offense. Um, you know, there was there was the whole uh, Lamar Jackson going on uh, Rich Eisen's show and saying that the defenses are calling out their plays, et cetera. I don't find that to be too alarming. That's something that I think I would agree that a lot of teams are able to do. Um, but I, I do think it speaks to the general lack of um, creativity in the Ravens offense. They kind of do a lot of the same things, especially in the same um, downs and distances. And, you know, we've seen all, all year that they run the ball on first down. Like that's, it's kind of been their thing. Um, you know, the first play of the game, they came out and passed it and, you know, Mark Ingram picked up 20 yards on dump off and then they go right back to a run and it's like a minus one play. So it's, I just don't see that kind of ability to, to consistently mix it up uh, in their play calling, especially on early downs. And, that is the reason why they're putting them in, in the third and longs, um, partially because they aren't able to execute on early downs. The part of the execution comes to the fact that they are pretty predictable and teams are able to, you know, snuff out the plays because they essentially know what's going to come. Yeah, so, the, the, they've definitely had adjustment issues, I think, on both sides of the ball where they they just seem stuck in whatever ways that they have around things. And that it, it's almost like the Ravens have too many tools in the toolbox. Um, and that they refuse to either tinker enough quickly enough because they think that they have it already figured out and, and adjust. And I think we've seen that on both sides of the ball. They needed their edge defenders in last night. And they needed more snaps for McVie and Ferguson and less snaps for Ngakwe and Judon. Um, and, and it took forever for Martindale to make that call. And that didn't make any sense. And then we saw, I, I, I feel like, when you had, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we get into some of the plays, when the Ravens had a quick strike, short passing offense that was layered with verticals, they were successful, and, and yet they continue, they didn't continue to do it, and they went back to kind of wet, whatever it is that Greg Roman feels comfortable with. And so, you know, it's not all on Greg Roman, but, you know, I, I'm very frustrated at their inability to adjust more quickly in, in these games. Yeah, and I think that, they still have this sense that they have to be this kind of ground and pound team. Like they need to have this identity of, of run, run, run. And we're going to, you know, enforce our, our will on you and, and dominate you. And I'm not saying if it's working that you shouldn't do that, but if it's not working, you have to identify that you aren't able to run the ball as effectively as you want to and try something else. And even if that means, you know, having a few, you know, bad plays on first down because you have incomplete passes. Um, that's, there's no difference between an incomplete pass on first down and a run that goes for one yard. It's essentially the same thing. Um, all it does is it gives you a chance to have probably more explosive play with the pass. And it gives you something to make the defense think about because next time when you're there in your first down, maybe they're going to think, okay, last time they passed it on first down, maybe they are going to pass it this time. You just, they just can't be ready to expect the same thing the same, every single time. And when you do something two-thirds of the time on, on first down, that's a, it's a major trend. And it's something that defenses are willing to, you know, commit that extra guy in the box. They're able to, um, you know, kind of like blitz the run. If you set up that play in action, it's going to work. And we're, we're going to talk about a couple of plays where it did work. And all you have to do is, is use the tendencies that you put on film against the defense. They only seem to want to do that a couple times a game. I think it's something that they're not taking advantage of enough. So before we get into these plays, let's talk about the one thing that I think a lot of people watching this game were looking at, and that's Patrick Queen. Um, He's been up and down. Um, 
PFF, you know, their rating is said more down than up. I think on film, you've seen some eye popping plays at times, you know, the, the play where he stopped the, uh, the goal line kind of dive play, you know, we've seen some good sacks. We've seen some good pressure. We've seen some good speed from him, but he is hesitating on the field and not making the right read, not staying within his own kind of rules and of containment and what he needs to kind of get into and can't seem to find the spot that he needs to be on the field. And everyone seems to be exploiting him for it. Um, you know, what are the Ravens going to do right now about that? I don't know. I, I, he's a major problem. Um, you mentioned pro football focus and, and they consistently graded him horribly. And I think there's kind of been, a little bit of like, are, are you serious? Is he really that bad? And then you actually watch the play on a play-to-play basis, and he's constantly out of position. He's constantly he's missing tackles. He's you know he's getting washed out in run plays. He's he's getting lost in coverage. It's just play after play after play where he's out of position. Like you said, he doesn't seem to know what he wants to be doing. He doesn't seem to know what his role in the defense is. Um, you know, last week against the or two weeks ago against the Steelers, he was completely out of position on the, on the touchdown to Ebron. This week he was in position to make a play on the on that wide receiver pass, and he just completely lost track of his man. He completely lost track of the play, somehow turned himself around and didn't have any ability to track the ball. It was just one of the most embarrassing plays I think I've, I've seen out of a Ravens defender in quite some time in terms of like a completely obvious play that he – I think he knew it was happening and he just panicked and he just didn't know what to do in that situation. And we've seen running backs in a similar role get behind him before. And he just doesn't know how to, you know, drop into coverage and run with a guy in, in close, in close coverage. And it's just, I don't know how you can keep a guy like that on the field for, you know, 90% of the snaps when he's just consistently making the wrong play. And you have someone like Chris board who comes in and plays like, 10 snaps and he looks really good. Um, and he's consistently looked good. He's looked fast. He looked like he knows the defense. He looks like he knows what he's supposed to be doing. I don't see how you can keep playing queen ahead of him because you're getting someone who's an actively bad performer on the field. He's actively hurting the defense. And that's not something that you can do when you have so many struggles on the offensive side of the ball. And you need to really have everything buttoned up on defense or else you're just not going to be in football games. Yeah. Well, let's keep an eye on queen on some of these plays and, and let's jump into kind of some, some of what we saw on film. I'm, I'm not going to belabor the Patrick queen has been really terrible point because it doesn't need to be belabored, but I will note that, um, you know, as we talk about some of these impact plays, most of these that we're going to show you are positive on the Ravens part because there wasn't anything fancy that the Patriots were doing. They were Chris Collinsworth called it during the game. They were double teaming both sides of the point of the attack and the Ravens couldn't get any help on the edge or from their inside linebackers when they do that. And when that happens, then you're not going to have any success, but there's, there's not a whole lot to see there. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Ravens struggles at the end, but let's start with this, the, the big sack that we saw from Judon and, you know, the, the Patriots had this long drive where they kind of over 10 plays. I, I let me, let me look up what that, the number of plays was, but I think that this first drive of the game was what, um, 11 plays, including the sack, but 29 yards. The Ravens have had this knack for, and I think we talked about this after the Washington football team game, just giving up these long drives that don't give up a ton of yards, but they just can't seem to get off the field. That that seemed to happen again in this game. Um, but they get off the field in in this situation um, in a third down because um, Matt Judon gets a sack. And so, you know, it's a pretty standard, you know, play, I think, that from what you're going to see here, um, you know, when we post this. And Matt Judon just schools 71 to the outside. But what I will ask you to note is look at if Matt Judon doesn't beat his guy, watch Patrick Queen in coverage on this play and just, again, just absolutely get schooled, like basically uh, practically falls down and is four yards behind the receiver. Um, Over the top of that, you had like a little like crossing like pick play for the Patriots and the two Ravens defenders for the, I don't know how many times I've seen this year, run into each other on the stinking crossing play and knock each other down. So you'll actually see three Ravens defenders if you kind of look to the bottom of the screen on the ground. So thank God Matt Judon got home on this four-man rush and was able to take Cam Newton down. Yeah, I mean, you, you described it. Um, so 
So Judon absolutely has, he's a great pass rush here. I mean, he's just aligned kind of, in a, he's aligned in two man stance. Um, he just beats the guy and it's a great pass rush. Does a little, like a little rip, dip and rip move and gets right past him uh, and gets a critical sack. Um, but yeah, Patrick Queen just like jumps out the screen. You're watching this play, especially if you have the end zone angle on the all 22. And you just see him just get annihilated by James White on this little option route. He literally has Patrick Queen turn in the opposite direction. He does this little like dipsy doodle, like, oops, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's just, it could have easily been a third down conversion if if, Queen, if uh, Newton doesn't have the pressure directly in his face. The other two uh, Ravens defenders, I, mean, I can't really fault them as much. They're actually in really good man coverage. And then they just don't have the, you know, awareness that they're actually being picked. That's the, that's kind of what that route's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to it's supposed to pick the defenders. Um, so I don't give them as much blame because I thought they were, you know, actually in tight coverage on the guys until they ran into each other, <laughs> um, which is unfortunate. But it ended up being okay, obviously. But I th- I, I just the, the queen pl- it's queen's play is just completely unacceptable, and it's just like it seems like every single play. I mean, I guess I would pardon the the secondary in this instance is if this was something that was the first time I've seen it on film this year. This is at least the third or fourth time I've seen two Ravens defenders take each other out of the play without any recognition of kind of what's going on in the rest of the play at all whatsoever. So I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that is kind of like when you're in man coverage, like teams are going to be attacking us with – I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. I, like, like as an NFL defensive coach, you shouldn't have to tell guys that like when you're in man crossing route patterns like this, especially against the team like the Patriots, maybe you ought to be thinking that they're going to try and run a pick play because it's the Patriots and they're constantly running pick plays. So, you know, again, you're probably right that I'm making a little too much of this, but when you see three defenders that have are, are basically all on the ground and three receivers that are running wide open, um, that's a pretty frustrating moment. But again, you know, the positive to the Ravens is this instance where when you do need to pin your ears back and you can put Judon and Ngakwe on opposite ends of the pass rush here, there is definitely an opportunity where you can rush with four and get pressure. Um, Calais Campbell, obviously not on the field. That even makes it more challenging. Um, And you've got the Ravens went with Washington and Wolf on this play. So, you know, imagine this iteration with McPhee or, you know, even with one down lineman of Calais Campbell and maybe even Patrick Queen rushing the passer or something like that. Um, Lots of opportunities for the Ravens in those instances um, and lots of opportunities to be able to see something good happen. And really nice to see Judon come up with a pretty big play to, to kind of start the game for the Ravens um, on this one. Yeah, this was definitely, you know, a really important stop at the beginning of the game. And I just wanted to one last time, come back to Patrick Queen. And, and this is something that Ken had in his, his article today um, about, on his defensive notes. He didn't blitz once and he was in coverage every single time when they, when they dropped, um, or on a passing play. I'm not sure how you can watch yourself on film and not say Patrick Queen is the player that should be moving forward and attacking the quarterback and attacking the line of scrimmage instead of the guy who's dropping back in coverage because he's been so dreadful in coverage and he's actually been okay in, in rushing the passer, I think. Um, I don't understand why you have those, those roles flipped. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me, but you know, I think we can stop ragging on him for at least a little bit now. Yeah, so let's go a little bit later in the first quarter. And, you know, obviously this was before the rain picked up and we were able to pull these clips off all 22 because um, we got those a little sooner than we did. So you can see some of these route combinations and things. But um, why don't you talk to me a little bit about what happened um, in the first quarter on this pass to Andrews? I mean, it's just a really good route concept for the, you know, the Patriots were playing a little bit of zone, and this this is another zone where you have two guys running off um, up the middle. Um, you have the slot wide receiver um, run kind of the the linebacker deep into the to his drop into his zone, and then Andrew just comes underneath him and is wide open for an easy pass from Lamar for the, for the first down. And that's that's the kind of concept that that you want to see. You're forcing a defender to make that choice between either taking the the slot the slot wide receiver um, or yeah, the underneath guy who's a little delayed in his route. And it's just, you know, it's a perfect combination to, to hit that against that cover two zone and, or maybe it's cover three. I think it's cover two. Um, but 
that's the kind of play that you should be able to hit, you know, 75% of the time in the third medium. And I think, you know, we saw a little bit of it last week. Um, we need to see more of it. I don't see why we can't see more of it. Yeah. You know, you mentioned this, this is one of those cover two inverted plays where you see the two deep outside cornerbacks go deep and, and kind of play that, that moat or play those kind of safety roles in your typical mm -hmm. cover two, which is something that we heard that the Titans had done in their game. And we've seen some other teams do to some success. What's crazy about this play. And, and this is what it's so hard to fault a team for taking what's in front of them, especially early in games. But if you break down this play other than the, the, like, I guess who the slot, I guess that's Boyle, right? In the slot, other than Boyle, everybody else on this play is, and I guess it's Hollywood Brown who is pulling the deep coverage off there. Um, everybody else is like really, really wide open. Like not just like open, but like really, really wide open. And, you know, the running back is going to have a really good shot down here at, at about the 20 yard line to make, make a move and beat the guy that's dropping underneath there in that coverage and then pick up, many many yards and even if lamar pumps to mark andrews here nick boyle is wide open up the scene between the hashes because you've got this inverted cover too he's basically bolting straight up the field and is wide open and we've talked about this about now i, I don't have a problem with lamar taking this pass right what i want to see the ravens do is the next time they think that so it, it was pretty obvious that the patriots were running this kind of inverted cover two if you look at this play because they were basically in a cover zero kind of look you don't see any deep safeties over the middle of the field um and so you have to assume that they're going to do something a little different the next time you get this look call this play again pump the action to mark andrews or whitley sneed or hollywood brown or whoever is running this right and like try and get Mark Andrews running this like deep slot or get Sneed running kind of like this deep play up the middle, run the exact same look, pump it and hit it again. Right. Cause now you've already run this play once successfully. And if you're watching it on tape, you see the commitment once kind of Lamar goes to throw the ball from the inside linebacker that that has to kind of drop down there, find it and attack it. Like this is the kind of thing that if I am in between this drive and the next drive and I'm offensive coaches, I am salivating at, and I'm trying to figure out how are the Patriots going to show us this look again and how are we going to attack it and how are we going to enable Lamar to be ready to call that and hit it the next time he sees it. So a couple of things about this play as well, I think are important. So one of those personnel, right? They're in 22 personnel. So this is going to dictate the the defense's personnel as well. So the, the defense is then going to probably be in base, and then you have the opportunity to exploit a linebacker um, in a position where he probably wouldn't be against maybe well, if you're if you're a nickel or a dime. That's probably not going to be quite as open. So this is going to be actually a hard play for the Ravens to get this kind of potential personnel in because of the just the personnel that they're going to have moving forward. They're not going to have Boyle. They only have one tight end on the roster now. Um, it's going to make it a little more difficult. But I, I agree with what, what you're saying. If you can show something similar, you know, you can take a tight end off the field, in this case, Boyle, you put Duvernay in that slot, and he's the guy who can actually, you know, rip through that defense, and he can be – you can have, have him for, like, a 70-yard touchdown on this play. Um, so maybe it's, it's something that you can go back to. Um, you can obviously still, you know, do this in, like, in 21 personnel. Um, using two two receivers aligned on one side of the field, and you can still have this, the tight end and the fullback lined up on the line of scrimmage, um, and you still have the running backs an option out of the backfield. So I do think this is something that they could come back to in the future, um, but also it, it might be a little different based on on what personnel the Ravens have on the field. Yeah. So you know the next play that we want to look at is another quick pass, a quick strike from the Ravens offense, and what did you see here? Yeah, so this is um, the play that I really like because it, it's basically it's, it's just a, a, a quick play action, right? So it's it's the Ravens are in um, here they're in eleven personnel, and you know they have so three wide receivers. You have a, a running back in the backfield, which you like to see um, because that that does allow the play action to happen. And this wasn't even a, a full play action; it's kind of just a little short fake, and then you hit Snead on the on this quick like post up the up the seam it's a really easy way to you know get a quick hitter against you know the zone defense he finds a nice little crease in between the linebacker and the, and the flat defender 
And, you know, it's just a quick way to hit, you know, for a first down. And, and this is going to be there when they're playing zone. Like this kind of play is going to be there. All you have to do is freeze the linebackers for a second with that play action. And you're going to have this kind of, kind of uh, play. And this is actually what we saw a lot last week against the Colts. We saw them play very similar um, kind of play in the second half when they're going up tempo, they hit, you know, they hit um, Sneed in this play. They hit Hollywood on a similar play. I think they had Boyle on a similar play. So you can use a bunch of different receivers, you know, running that kind of skinny pose or that slant. And, you know, it's something that you can, I think you should just use as kind of a staple of the offense. And you can also, you know, build an RPO into this. It's, it's a really, really um, good play. And it gives you a lot of options. The other thing I'd add, we, we talked a little bit about the attention that Hollywood Brown draws and why that's part of why he always looks covered. If you watch this play, there are essentially four Patriots defenders boxing Hollywood Brown in, and Miles Boykin on the 35-yard line is wide open with a natural pick from Hollywood Brown. Now, Lamar make the, makes the right read here. Steen's got two steps on his receiver and the, the other zone coverage that's kind of there to help committed to Lamar and committed to the running back and is, has no play on this ball. It's an easy, soft toss for Lamar, so I have no problem with him making this throw. But again replicate this concept run a natural pick play with hollywood brown realize that the patriots are over committing coverage to him underneath and deep to make sure that he doesn't get the ball and get something going behind him um and, and you can continue to find success there um you know I, I think that that's the thing that i'd like to see the ravens do I, we see them run these really effective plays and it's like there's more than one option on every play, right? There's more than one thing that you're showing on every play. And and what I'm seeing on film is that the Ravens are showing other things that could work later, but they're not going back to them. Um, and they're not using they're they're not using, for example, Hollywood Brown on as a screener, um, a screener. And I'm using air quotes when I say a screener. He doesn't have to block to be a screen guy, right? He just has to be a guy that creates enough space for somebody that has the ball to be able to do something successfully, or he has to be the guy that draws enough attention to him that they can go in other places. And so, you know, we saw this next play that we're going to show you is a screen to Devin Duvernay. And this is the exact kind of thing. There are two things about this play that I really liked. The first is that the Ravens ran an effective screen <laughs> to Devin Duvernay. That's a huge plus, And that's, that's a great thing that you can do kind of with any, with any good receiver that's got speed like he does. But what I really like about this play was, that you get Duvernay in motion going right. So there's a little attention that way, but then you immediately run play action to the left and you run out your offensive line. Everybody's going in that direction, right? So the whole play is flowing to the left. So you've got Lamar basically having time and space to set his feet and make a good, quick, accurate throw to Duvernay. And then you've got two tight ends out in front of Duvernay being able to block for him. And he beats his guy very easily to the edge here. Right. And so, Again, you know, I want to see more of this kind of thing, though, right? Because this is an example where the Ravens run that same look later and they hand the ball off to the running back going left. And there's going to be opportunities there, right? Because the Patriots are going to be trying to adjust back from the other direction. And if they don't, then Lamar can see that they're not overcommitting in that direction and just run the exact same play again. So there are things that they can build on here. But this was a good play. Glad the Ravens put it on film. I, the Ravens should run this kind of play two to three times every single week, if you ask me. Yeah, maybe even more than that. And and there's something that I want to point out. That there's a common thread between these two plays, right? So in each play, you have a receiver going in motion, um, and then you have a play action, right? So you're using two types of, of kind of deception. You're using the receiver in motion. In the first play, he's actually an option to get the – you know, kind of the pop pass for, you know, kind of like the Jets, jet action kind of quick pass. Um, and here you have, you know, the option to give it to the running back as well. And that's what they show here. And then it's a quick pass out to the wide receiver and he just has to make one man miss, like you said. And this is something that, you know, is really easy to design, um, especially when you have the defense kind of flowing in one direction, just that, that like I said before, just that one second or one and a half seconds that you freeze the defense for the play action. That's all you need in order to pick up, you know, five, 10 yards. And that's really what you need just to keep this, the offense moving. And as the Ravens have kind of struggled at times to get their run game going, this is the kind of plays that you need to constantly be hitting on in order to, to just keep your offense going 
on pace and keeping them on schedule. And then you can go back and hit them with a run. You can show the same thing and then just hit them with a run going the opposite way. And you have the defense saying, okay, well, are we going to be running? Are we passing? You just don't want them to know what's going on. You want to keep them off guard. And I don't know why that's such a difficult concept at times, but when every time you use these kind of motions and when you use play action, it's, it's beneficial. And there's no reason why um, they don't do it more frequently. And you know what? They do it in the next play too, on the touchdown of Willie Sneed. You want to walk us through this play? Yeah, well, again, you basically see the same kind of action where the Ravens run the little like option look to the left and short, quick pitch it to Sneed on the right. And so what I like about these plays, and you see like the, the Colts did this a couple times last week. The, the Steelers do this a lot. There are a lot of teams in the league that do this where they run two screen plays basically in opposite directions at the same time. And they give the quarterback the choice of which side to throw it to based on what the defense is doing. Right. And so to me, that's what this play looked like a lot. You know, you get the motion right to balance the play and then you get Snead coming across the formation and you get Lamar and the running back running hard to the left. Right. And if Lamar keeps this ball instead of pitching it to Snead, that's a touchdown to the left and Snead is kind of open for a touchdown to the right. Now, it's always impossible to say that because if they see him pitch the ball, yeah, obviously there's not going to be an opportunity there, but the Ravens had significant numbers to the left side of this play as well. Um, but yeah, it's motion. It's jet sweeps. It's, it's stretching the defense kind of laterally um, in both directions at the same time and using those opportunities in the space that you create. And if you do that and you use Lamar to freeze the people in the middle of that defense, you're going to find success on the edges if you're willing to consistently do it. Yeah, and I think the question becomes, you know, why not do it more often? And and we saw them do it consistently with with efficacy in this game. There's also that other um, kind of was it a, a two way fake motion that they ended up passing it to Duvernay, and he had a big run after the catch as well. Like those kind of plays were effective time and time again. I do kind of think the conditions as they worsened in this game, it kind of made that play a little less easy to execute just because of, you know, you need to be able to throw the ball with efficiency to a a guy who could catch the ball and turn and run after the catch. That's a little harder in bad conditions. So things got a little out of hand as this game progressed. Um, But that that wasn't the only reason. They also – just kind of got away from using some of these, some of these motions and some of these, you know, jet actions. Um, and I, I just think that it's something that a lot of the smart teams are, are doing more and more. Um, you know, I think you see the Steelers doing it a lot now with their wide receivers. I just think it has to be kind of a fundamental staple of the offense, especially now that you're a little more limited in the personnel that you have, you really have to lean heavier onto your wide receivers, use them more in the run game use them more in the quick passing game. And these are the kind of concepts that are are going to allow you to be efficient with those plays. You know, I I left out the bad snap and I left out the fourth down on purpose in this game. And those were big plays, but they were just like obvious blunders um, in terms of how they impacted the game. But therein lies the question, right? If we just highlighted three or four consecutive plays that side to side motion with receivers and stretching and pressuring the defense was successful. And what do the Ravens choose to do in a big fourth down moment, direct snap the ball to Mark Ingram in the rain. We're not saying anything right now because there's nothing to say about how inept the, the level of ineptitude to make decisions arrogance. The term is arrogance. Right. And and in my opinion, unpreparedness. Right. Because if, if you are not watching the same thing that we're seeing on film, if I would have seen all the things that we're watching on film here, that would have dictated how I called the entirety of the rest of this game. And I think after they scored that first need touchdown, the Ravens offense went very much back to what it looked like before, um, you know, before they, they started that and then got out of the script air quote, so to speak. So, you know, l- let's talk about a moment though, where we see a big time play out of a much more kind of traditional Greg Roman style offense. Right. And you've got a, you know, I guess this is like a little, is that wishbone? ish yeah, <laughs> yeah. So why don't you walk us through this one? So, I mean, it's, I think like it's a pretty basic kind of concept. This is fourth and one play where Edwards converted with a long, n- nice run. Um, and they just basically just asked the offensive line to, to 
double a couple of players, and then you had Ricard come through and seal the edge, and you had this big hole that Edwards was able to hit. Um, it, it was really perfectly executed by the offensive line. Um, the blocking up front was fantastic on this play. And, you know, that's the kind of play that you really need to be able to execute in short yardage. And I think they we got it to a T. Um, I think we still saw, you know, Skura get get kind of blasted a little bit here. And, and Edwards almost had a defender in his lap, but he was able to, you know, get by him. Um, so I, I think that's your weak link on the, on the offensive line right now, you know, I hate to keep, you know, harping on the same players again, over and over again with, with Queen and Scarab, but there's two starters that are, are really glaring issues on the team. Um, and you have to consider, you know, making a change. If, if you if you really think for the good of the team, you, you see these things on film over and over again. It's not something that we're, we're imagining or making up. Um, it, it's repeated and it's problematic. So two things that I saw on this play that have nothing to do with Matt Skura, because we'll let him off the hook for the moment, is that I thought were important. One is I like that they're in the pistol formation here, and what they do with this is they make it look like it's a run in one direction, but actually run it in the other. The Ravens are in the pistol all the time, and they always run to the motion side, and they always run to the strong side. And it's like, if that's what you're going to do, just do it from the shotgun, guys. Like, like, there's no extra deception. You're never running it to the weak side. But on this one, Lamar hands the ball to, to Edwards almost as to go to the right or on the right side of the handoff, and Edwards runs all the way to the left. So I, I think that's important. The other thing is here, and I haven't dug in on all the plays, so I'd have to watch the All-22 of everything that was happening on offense up to this point. But my guess is that part of this play design keyed on the guy that they that the Patriots were trying to kind of keep on Lamar. And my guess is that they kept someone on Lamar all night. If you watch 59 on this play, you see him run up into the hole. And instead of flowing to the right and trying to get through that ta that traffic and push that pile back into Edwards, he basically runs left and follows Lamar. And this is why kind of, okay, maybe I am going to talk trash about Matt Skura and the offensive line here, but this is why it's such a disappointment in terms of what the Ravens have been able to do on the offensive side of the ball, running the ball this year, because if you just take Lamar and run him to the other side of the play on every single play that you essentially have an offensive lineman blocking another defender, because somebody is going to be following Lamar and spying and chasing him along the way. And this is an instance where essentially the Patriots didn't have enough guys to the right or left, depending on, you know, stage right side of this play, right? Because 59 was flowing to the left. And so the, the, the guy that was playing on the edge has to flow into the middle to plug the gap of 59 because 59 is following Lamar in case there's some kind of option handoff to begin with. So Lamar's presence alone and the ability to kind of use him in that sense is really what created this running lane for Edwards. Yeah. I think, like you said, you could, you, there's a lot of plays that we see where Lamar hands the ball off and he, you know, fakes running it and he has nobody in front of him. And just that sometimes he has a guy who's, who's, who's obviously keyed on him and it's his responsibility, but sometimes that guy's not there too. And in some of these plays, I think this is, this, I, this is why I feel like the Ravens in third and short or fourth and short should always convert because you have Lamar Jackson and you have enough guys capable up front to block in such a way that you have two options, right? And if, as long as you make the right choice, there's always going to be someone who's open. There's going to be a lane. And I think most of the time, I would say just have Lamar keep it, like we saw last week with that with the bootleg, and he just had an easy touchdown. I think some. I think we're going to have to see more of those plays down the stretch. Um, we just need to have Lamar Jackson playing at a, at a really high level and being able to, you know, make the right read and, um, you know, beat him in and, and get some of these first downs. And I think to a certain degree, he's, he's been doing that all season. He did that obviously all season last year. Um, and, you know, he's, he's still picking up 50, 60 yards per game on, on a regular basis. So I don't think Lamar Jackson is anything close to the issue with the Ravens offense. Um, and I just think, they just want to put more and more on his plate and ask him to do more and more. And that's not exactly what you want to have everything, all the pressure being on your quarterback, but in order for the, for the offense to really play at the level that they're going to need to play at, 
you need to give him, you know, basically the keys to the castle and let him run this thing the way he knows best. I thought Lamar was really good throwing the ball this week, you know, given the conditions and the rain and some drops again, um, both from Snead and Andrews. And I mean, I don't even want to talk about that, but the Ravens have some, the Ravens have some problems. It's a big moments. The guys drop the ball that like when it hits them in the hands or their plays that they need to make. And I think it happens with every team, but it seems like in big, big moments and big games, it's happening a lot for the Ravens. I don't know what the deal with that is. Um, but this need second touchdown was a really nice read and a nice throw by Lamar. And to me, this is an instance of, we, we, we talk a lot about, okay, sometimes Lamar takes these quick throws and he's got like another option to be able to do something more effectively. And this play was, was one of those where he didn't take the thing that was in front of them in front of him. So, you know, you, you basically see Andrews and Sneed kind of run a little kind of crossing confusing pattern and, they isolate basically on the free safety. They've got cover three in the exact formation that they thought they'd get. And the safety has to make a pick and Lamar makes the perfect read and the perfect throw. I mean, there's, you know, and, and I'd love to hear what you're seeing here, but there's not a lot else there is to say about this other than Lamar made a really good read and a really good throw. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And the timing on this play was perfect because if, if you throw it, just, you know, just a beat later, it's going to be maybe picked off or Sneed's going to get destroyed. Um, but he, he fits it in right at the perfect time. You know, Snead comes down with it cleanly. Um, and this was just the correct read against the defense. He knew where the route was going. He knew that he was going to have Snead in that window and he put it right on him. And, and I agree with what you were saying with, with, about Lamar. I think he had a, he played a very good game. He had a couple of, of throws that I think you would like to have back. Obviously the one interception at the end of the half, um, he had another near interception, um, maybe even a couple other near interceptions where he was throwing into coverage that he shouldn't have been. Um, but, you know, at some point you have to kind of try and make those plays. Um, I don't, I don't really fault him too much on one of those throws, but I don't know. I think, I think to some extent, you know, he's, he's been a little bit more turnover prone this year than he has been in, in years past. Um, I, I think a little bit he's pressing, he's trying to do a little too much. And that's understandable, I think, when there is more pressure on his shoulders. And kind of what I was just saying before is he has had a lot put on him and he has been trying to do a lot. And he doesn't necessarily have the weapons or the offensive line around him to support him like he did last year. But, you know, I think if he just plays within himself and plays within the offense, it's it's going to be you know I think he's I think he can have a really good second half and fortunately the you know the, the caliber of defenses that they're going to play is, is not going to be as high as it has been in the past few games um, and hopefully the conditions will be a little better too I think you know obviously you know anytime you have the north cold northeast it's it's going to be a little more tricky than playing in something like the the south southern dome stadium so that's always going to be something that the Ravens are going to have working against them um, being in the AFC North but. I, I do think that, you know, Lamar has what it takes to to really put the team on his back. And and that's what we're going to have to hope for the for the second half of the season. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think the the final story and let's talk about, you know, I've been avoiding via PTSD, not talking about the negative things that happened. But I think that there were a lot of things that went wrong in this game for down the fourth down bad, like, you know, issue with Ingram, the bad snaps, the kind of a couple of the drops in, in big moments. I think that the Ravens two minute drill needs a total makeover in and of itself, their decisions on how they attack defensively, their decisions on who they were letting play on the edge on obvious running downs, injuries kind of depleting them across the board, all those things added up. But at the very, very end of the day, the thing that the Ravens failed the most miserably on, I thought was getting off the field on third down against a not great offense. Um, you know, cam with pressure has not been accurate, accurate this year, um, running the ball. They were, they were, you know, in obvious situations sometimes where the Ravens seemed to know it was coming and couldn't stop them. And at the end of the day, that's what happened on third down. I, I mean, the first third down that they botched was that pitch play where, you know, we, we've got this one up here. They had him dead to rights. They like a like queen called the play out. They knew what was coming. They knew it was a run of the right. And especially when the receiver comes to the inside, they had this play called and they knew what they were going to get from it. And they still couldn't stop it. Um, you know, Malik Harrison blows 
absolutely blows up James White and then doesn't stay with him and decides to rush Cam Newton and, and, and release James White in kind of a zone formation. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where a savvy veteran, right? Like the Terrell Suggs of the world are going to stay with a James White and a Malik Harrison who's a rookie is not. Um, and you just have to kind of live with those growing pains. But, you know, that was a play that they should have been able to take away. Um on the third down, it was a quick, easy out later in the game where they just gave it up. And then I think you were talking about this one, the last one, where th- this one was my favorite because, and I'll tell you why here in a second, you know, Patrick Queen just doesn't make the right read. He needs to flow down because the game is on the line and you cannot let a short third down conversion happen here, right? Like you, you're you're okay giving up the deeper play and letting the guy behind you, who is Marcus Peters, make the play. But if you watch Marcus Peters at the end of this play, I think it's at about like the like the 106, 107 mark of, of this clip we put up on Twitter. Marcus Peters is furious at Patrick Queen. And Patrick Queen just looks at him like a puppy that peed on the carpet and knew that he wasn't supposed to and just like socks off the field. <laughs> yeah. So watching these plays again is kind of painful because like you said, every single one, it seems like the Ravens were either in position to make the play and just like for some reason couldn't, they couldn't make the tackle. They had a brain fart as to what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and it's just kind of, what you talked about at the beginning of the, of the, of the podcast, where you're saying it's kind of like it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Like you can't continue to fail to execute in these little, you know, situations. And I mean, a third down is never a little situation. Every third down is important, but it was seemingly time and time again that you have, you have, you know, the right defense called, you have a player in position to make the play and he just isn't able to, for whatever reason, whether it's a, a mental you know breakdown, whether it's kind of a panic or you just like, not focused. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. And, and some of it's physical, like like we saw. You know, sometimes a defender will break a tackle. Um, but you just have to know what your assignment is. And it seems like a lot of times, especially these the, the young players, like you mentioned with Harrison and Queen, they just don't seem to know exactly what they should be doing in these key situations. And it's really, really damaging the defense. And you know, obviously the defense is playing without a couple of their key players. You know, we didn't have Jimmy Smith in this game. Campbell was out. Um, you lost Brandon Williams very early and basically you, you have a lot of rookies playing, I think what, four rookies essentially playing on a, on a lot of plays between Washington, Matavike, um, Queen, Harrison. I mean, that's a lot of your defense when you, when you have guys who are essentially, you know, very limited action playing major roles. And then you also have someone like Chris Board who, who hasn't played a lot. Um, and he's playing in this game as well. Um, and even then, you still have opportunities to get off the field, but you're just unable to kind of make the play when it matters in, in the big position. And, I mean, we didn't even talk about how the fact that, or you, we briefly did, about the Ravens' kind of inability to adjust to, to the, the Ronis rush attack of, of the Patriots, and that was a major issue. They didn't really figure that out until, like, halfway through the second half, it seemed. Um, it, this was just kind of all-around bad play on the defense i know there were injuries and i know that they kind of made some stops at the end when they needed to but these just these inability to get the stop when you need to was was so frustrating and i don't know you just have to hope that that they're going to learn from the mistakes and and pick it up in the in the coming weeks because it's just hard to watch when you have the opportunity to get off the field and and you just blow it yeah, I mean, I think that's it. There, th- have the opportunities to make big things happen, and you blow it. Um, you know, the Andrews drop, the Sneed drop, the Skura snaps. These in it, like these, just barely misplays on third downs. I mean, just consistently, just barely missing. And so, hopefully, the Ravens can tighten this up. They can decide that they need to hunker down, and whether that's approach or scheme or personnel or what, whatever that is to get it right moving forward from here um, and clean it up. But, you know, this was supposed to be the game to do that the most easily, that you had kind of not a great run defense. You had not a great, not a very good offense at all whatsoever. Um, It was supposed to be the game that was supposed to be okay that we had some injuries and we didn't get it. So, you know, next week's a big game against the Titans. That's followed up by Thanksgiving game. Um, 
than on a short week against the Steelers. So these are two big games. Let's see if the Ravens bounce back like they did after the loss to Cleveland last year. Um, I think in some ways the Ravens would have been almost better off, I think, losing that Eagles game earlier this year if there's a wake-up call moment for them after this game and that they would have lost to the Eagles but then beaten the Steelers and beaten the Patriots, and and that would have been worth that trade-off to me. Um, so hopefully they get that wake-up now. They beat Tennessee, and they beat, they beat Pittsburgh because I think they're going to need both those wins from a tie-break perspective if they want to be on kind of the top half of, of kind of – the wild card situation when, or, or playoff situation when it's all said and done. Yeah. I mean, I think 11 wins will get you in, um, but it might not get you in as the number one wild card. It seems like the AFC is, is very kind of balanced this year. There's a lot of teams that are, are pretty good. Um, and I do think some of the teams will probably fall off. You know, I think the Ravens probably have the easiest schedule down the stretch of any of these teams. Um, and I think they're probably the most talented of any of these teams in the group as well. So they should, you know, come out on top and whether it's in the, the five seed or the six seed. Um, honestly, I don't think it matters. Like it's, it's really, I think the one thing you don't want to be is, you know, playing the chiefs early on. I think if you can try to push that as late as possible, that's their ideal path, but you're probably going to have to face them at some point anyway. Like it's, it's unlikely that any other team is going to beat the chiefs. I think the Ravens are still the best team aside from the Chiefs in the AFC, even though they may not have shown it this year. I don't. I don't think the Bills have been that great. I don't think. I don't think the Steelers have been that great, despite their undefeated record. Um, the Ravens are still, you know, the team that's consistently winning the games they should, aside from this, aside from this um, New England game. And I, I do think that they're going to still be a strong team down the stretch, but. They obviously have some things to figure out, like we talked about on offense. The defense needs to get healthy. Um, but if those things come together, I, I think I think we still have a lot to look forward to in a positive way. Yeah, well, we'll see. Big game coming up against Tennessee. Um, hopefully a, a more positive one. And, you know, the game was super sloppy, so there wasn't a whole lot for us to look at in this game either. Um, so hopefully we see them clean it up. We see a, a better Ravens team, a healthier Ravens team moving forward. And, uh We'll have some more lighthearted conversations in the Situation Room coming up. He's uh, at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Uh, look forward to hearing from you guys there. Um, let us know what you want to hear from or talk about. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.